76ers. My name is Andrew Quinlan. I appreciate any and all of you that are still somehow listening to this. Um, I haven't posted since December, I think around uh, the 16th or the 17th. So basically right at the start of preseason. Um, I've just been really busy with school and work, um, graduating soon from college. So um, just been really just haven't had a lot of time to uh, do this kind of stuff. Um, there's certainly been a lot to talk about throughout various points of the season so far, but um, I just haven't really had the time. But now I do, so I kind of just wanted to hop on and talk, give my thoughts about the team. 39 games into the season, uh, we're past the halfway mark now, and the Sixers are first in the East, still. Uh, they're 27-12, and 12. they're a full game above the 26-13 and 13 Brooklyn Nets, and two and a half games above the Milwaukee Bucks, and then there's a decently steep drop-off uh, between the third-seeded Bucks and the fourth-seeded Heat, who have won uh, 9 out of 10. But the Sixers are, they have a plus 5.4 point differential, they are 8-2 and two in their last 10, they've won the first three games coming out of the All-Star break, uh, they currently have the 12th ranked offense and the second ranked defense and have an overall net rating, um, like an advanced net rating, I guess, of 5.0, which would rank them sixth in the NBA, but that number has gone up the last few days um, after three straight complete dominating wins. There hasn't really not needed any, uh, excuse me, uh, none of these games have really been in doubt. I guess the Bulls game was close for a little bit. Um, like in midway through the third, and then they just pulled away. Uh, the bench unit really pulled away in the fourth. They didn't need to bring Tobias back in. Uh, ben and Joe were both out, and the fourth quarter performance on both ends was fantastic. Uh, the Wizards, the Wizards game was a really great win. It just was tainted because we didn't know what was really going on with Embiid, uh, which was pretty stressful for for a while there. Um, but. Luckily, after that tough fall on his dunk on Friday night, Embiid just has a bone bruise, and he should be returning to the court. They said he'll be reevaluated in two weeks. I think he'll probably return in about three to four weeks. I I think they're going to play it relatively conservative. Unless, you know, I know he wants to get back out there, and I know he he wants to... I don't think he really has a chance at MVP anymore. I think he's going to have like 13 or 14 missed games. Uh, which is going to hurt his case against the guys like Jokic and LeBron who play pretty much every game. Um, even though I do think he was the MVP before before getting hurt. And he was in the middle of a great game. He was... It sucks because he was looking so... He was looking like basically almost as athletic as he has since his rookie year. His rookie year, he was definitely the springiest he's he's been in the NBA. And I don't think he'll ever really get back to that level. But he was also completely out of control. And it felt like he was kind of on a downward path athletically, at least in terms of how like frequently he was displaying it. Uh, and this year he had started, like especially in that game, he was dunking a lot and he was driving and he looked really bouncy and really healthy and it just kind of sucked that he landed so awkwardly. Um, but I'm just glad he avoided anything major. Uh, still not, I don't think we're completely in the clear, obviously it's Embiid and, you know, they said he had a bone bruise three years, four years ago, and he wound up having a meniscus tear and was out for the season. But in general, I think he's uh, he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. 
just rest up. I think they proved last night that they can at least they're starting to be able to handle the non Embiid minutes a little bit better. Like they were so bad without Embiid to start the year, and he's which is always kind of the case. Like it was definitely the case two years ago in 2019. Uh, 2018 they started out the year like that, and then by the end of the year they got really hot without Embiid. They got a stretch big in Eliasova, um, and the whole team was kind of clicking. They still needed him. You know, they were beating a lot of bad teams. And I still think they need uh, a shooty, a shooty center, um, like a, a Nemanja Bailita or someone of that elk. Um, and we'll see if Mori makes a move. I actually think they're going to get Bailita, to be honest. Uh, they've been linked to him for a few months now. They were linked to him three years ago. They agreed to a contract with him, and he um, kind of backed out of it which I think was more of the agent. Uh, if you look up his agent, it's also the same agent that had the weird thing with uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich in Milwaukee where he, uh, you know, he had, it seemed like they had a sign and trade agreement with Milwaukee and then he kind of backed out of that and got a bigger deal. Like it's, it seems a little shady to be honest. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, it's also a different front office here now. Like the front office has basically been overhauled. So, I don't. I don't think they really hold any ill will anymore. <laughs> and if they did, like, I get it. But it's also you got to make your team better, you know. And he'd he'd help. He'd help the bench units a lot. Um, but the team has been really good lately, like really good. And if they just won that freaking Cavs game, that they should have won, they'd would it be like an eight game winning streak right now. It's just tough. That game was really frustrating. Uh, they happen to the best of them. And they've actually lost to the Cavs twice. But still, um, the team has looked really impressive. That's that's the end of the story. They're uh, they're actually 10-9 and nine on the road. They have as many road wins this year as they did last year, at least before the shutdown where road games actually mattered. Because, like, you know, the road games in the bubble don't matter, obviously. Um, they only had, I think, 10 wins, 9 or 10 road wins by the end of March. 2020 and that was after like 60 games instead of 40 games so um they just look more mature this year you know what i'm saying like they just look like they they have an idea of what they're doing and they have like a similar record than that as they did last year last year they were still a good team they just were a mess and it just was it just didn't feel good when they won and now it's like even before the break, but especially the last three games, they're just they just been really fun to watch again, which is really the main thing I can ask for out of the Sixers because they were for so long, and then last year just sucked. Like even when they were bad, they were still kind of fun to watch because uh, at least they they seemed to play playing with each other. And then um, it's just like they're they're running now. They're getting out and running. They have shooters. Uh, Danny Green's been very very willing to shoot and he's been making them lately and Seth Curry is starting to get his group back a little bit and Korkmaz is launching threes and Mike Scott has kind of made a little return uh he looked like he was deceased basically for like a year and he's still not good I don't think he's a good NBA player he's a fine backup four um I think he'll get traded just because um you know, it's it's 
it's an easily movable salary and he's not that essential to the team but like when he's at his best he really fits he really fits well because he's a very willing shooter and he shoots from deep and he gives you a little bit of physicality on, on the boards and you know he can't move his feet that well defensively but he is strong as hell um and he plays hard like he and he knows his role he doesn't try to do anything he's not so um you know, if they can find a way to upgrade the team without trading Mike Scott, he's the king of the he's the king of vibes, and he can he can hit a big shot if you need him to. You know, like he can he's capable. He's always been a good fit with Ben, uh, and the lineups with him and Embiid have always been really good for some reason. But so yeah, just the whole team is is really shooting the ball well, and they're just playing good fundamental basketball. They're starting to get Dwight on some actions closer to the basket, which is great because I really couldn't I couldn't watch any more of the, the handoff stuff. Like he's just not he's just not that type of center where he's gonna excel in handoffs exclusively. You can use him as a handoff because he's he's big as hell and he can set screens even though you know he gets called for like two illegal screens a game. But like he's still big as hell and has good chemistry with I think with Milton and Korkmaz. It's just Having it's like watching him catch lobs around the basket and and clean up the mess in the basket, it's like that's what he's that's his role. That's what he's supposed to do. Uh, and it's a wrinkle the Sixers haven't really had for a few years. So watching it the last few games has been really cool. Uh, they haven't really been playing in with Ben much, actually. I mean, Ben only played. He's only played like twenty five minutes uh, since the break, and a lot of it was with Tony Bradley, um, who has actually also looked pretty okay, competent. In the last three games, he got hurt yesterday, which kind of sucks. Um, but him and Shake, Dwight and Shake and Dwight and Korkmaz definitely have some chemistry brewing uh, on those pick and rolls. And it's like it happened yesterday and it's happened a couple times. Like, yeah, Korkmaz isn't a great finisher and neither is Shake really. And they, they a lot of times they try like these offhand, high off the glass floaters, which usually don't go in, especially for Korkmaz. Um, but it puts Dwight in a position. Like if Dwight's rolling to the rim, like he's he's in a position to just put it right back, and he's done it a few times in the last few games. And it's like that's the advantage that Dwight Howard gives you, and that's why I guess I haven't been on here. But like in general, I've been kind of critical of Dwight. But it was it was it wasn't because I thought he was washed. I just thought like there there's no reason for him to be on the team if they're just gonna do handoffs with him the whole game, and he can't really play with Ben. And he was doing so many like he's he's starting to limit the stupidness not the stupidness that's kind of dis- not disrespectful it's just not the word i was looking for um like the the bad fouls and the i'm fine with him using his fouls at the rim on defense it's just like the stupid uh bad screens and he's shoving guys on the offensive glass and he's somehow thinks he's going to get away with them like dude, like it's so obvious you're just pushing them <laughs> But in general, Dwight has been very solid lately, and I think there's definitely a role for him on the team. I don't think if they get another a shooting big man, I don't think they need to completely cut Dwight out. It's just matchup dependent, you know? In a series with Brooklyn, I don't know if Dwight can really hang uh, for like 12 minutes a game because I think that's the ideal amount. I think they want him to be playing 36 minutes. You know, he'll play more, but ideally, like, having him around that. Um I don't know if he can hang with Brooklyn, especially if they throw Durant or Green at the five. Like, it's just because they're going to, Brooklyn would probably try to stagger as many DeAndre Jordan minutes with Embiid as possible. So that means Dwight would have to go against the second unit, and it's just tough. 
But even even the shooting centers that are available, I don't. Other than PJ Tucker, I don't know who could really play the five versus Brooklyn, other than Embiid. So that's just you know. But in a in a Bucks matchup where they're playing with Giannis at center, or even Brook at the five and Giannis at the four, like you can run Dwight a little bit there. They're not like a super heavy pick and roll team. Like they they score a lot in the paint. Um, if Miami gets Miami be tough because if they have a five on the court, that's not Bam. It's probably a shooting center, which is tough for Dwight. Um, but like Boston, Dwight can definitely impose his physicality on Daniel Tice and uh, Robert Williams. You know, like he can definitely do that. And um, in Toronto, he can he can play against centers that aren't Boucher. And uh, you know, I'm just in general, Dwight's a minimum center. Like he's fine. And I'm talking way too much about Dwight Howard. He's not that important. Um, but Dwight's been good. Like, I, I, I'm glad he's on the team. He seems like a good locker room guy, too. They all seem to like him. Um, but all season, the the especially lately, Ben's been incredible. He started the season really tough. Just He didn't look like he was 100%, which kind of makes sense because he had surgery only about three and a half months before uh, the season started officially. So it makes sense he had to get his legs under him a little bit. Uh, he's always been a slow starter. The last few years, he's been a pretty slow starter. Um, it's just kind of the way he is. But he's right now in the middle of the best stretch he's played, I think, in, in his career. Um, getting to the basket a ton. I mean, he had so many. Like he, he was not getting calls last night. He only had three free throws. But he's been aggressive. He's been doing more in the half court. He's been facing up a little bit. He's been posting up a little bit more. His hook shot seems to be back. Like He kind of went away with it, went away from it for a while. Um and he's been he's been great on that end. And defensively, he's there's nothing to say anymore. He's just he's unbelievable on defense. Um, every game, like every single game, and it's really like fun to watch him play defense now. Like he was always good, but he, now he's like he, I think he's so confident in his defensive ability that he's like more willing to try different stuff out because he knows he's so good that if he doesn't work, he has the he has the recovery skill and speed and agility to to make up for it. Really fun to watch. Um, and the boy Tobias Harris, all season, even when his even when his three isn't falling, he hasn't really made that many threes. I don't think he made any versus Washington. He made one versus Chicago, and he made one last night. But he still played very well in all three games. And it's like, especially last night, he had like twenty four nine and seven last night, and only played like twenty five minutes. He's been a true pleasure to watch. And it's not like, you know, it's not like, I knew Tobias was good. I, I, I was always pro-Tobias. I was super in on the Tobias trade uh, before and after it happened. Like, I was cool with it because I know Tobias can be a good fit. It was just like the way he was being used and kind of, it was partly on Brett Brown, but it was also, uh, Tobias was just not, like he wasn't giving, doing himself any favors last year. And this year he has been. He's been just playing smarter. He's been making really quick decisions. Um, he's been playing a way more comfortable style of basketball. And it's like a guy that the Sixers don't have. Like, he's a slashing, kind of a mid-range specialist. He can hit threes at a good rate. Um, he doesn't blow you away with his shooting because he doesn't shoot that much. But he's really good. And his defense has been solid. And he's been making good passes. And he's started to have actual chemistry with Embiid. And it's like him, Ben, and Joe 
you know, this is they've been playing two seasons now. Like they're they're really starting to show off like actual chemistry. And it just took a little while that I think people kind of wanted and I wanted. Um, but it's starting to it's really starting to show. And he still needs to prove it in the playoffs. Like I'm not, I'm not completely all in. You know, the contract still isn't good. But if he can play at this level in the playoffs, yeah, he's overpaid. I can't really complain about Tobias. Um, and yeah, you know, he's had a lot of great moments this year. He's had people forget when Ben scored 42 or whatever it was, uh, versus Utah, Tobias had like 36 on a good efficiency. Like they were both unbelievable that game and he's played well over and versus Utah last week, he had a tough game. He had missed a few games in a row. Um, and he came back and he was tough. You know, he was pretty rusty all game. And in overtime, he's, they just went to him like six straight times and he scored pretty much every time or he got fouled. It was, it was awesome. And it just shows you the difference, the difference in the way he's playing this year, because he still has a little bit of the old Tobias, like the slow down, post up, fade away, which is cool if it's in, if it's in, you know, rations. When it's his whole game, like it was last year, it's just frustrating. But now he's just playing way more balanced, and he's just making way quicker decisions. Like, it's been beat to death, but it's true. He's just making decisions off the catch, whether he's going to drive, or he's going to pass, or he's going to shoot. Just way faster. And I guess Doc really is just, he just knows how to coach Tobias. I don't I don't know. It's weird. Um, but yeah, super, super pleased with the way Tobias has played this year. Very happy, because he's obviously always been like kind of like the man. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that he's like playing well and he's kind of being embraced by Sixers fans so yeah the team just looks good just looks really good and there were moments this year where they kind of you didn't know what the way it was going to go and all these teams were they were playing all these injured teams and it was like yeah they still haven't played Boston healthy yet they haven't played Toronto with Lowry yet uh they still haven't played Milwaukee yet they haven't played the full strength heat and play the full strength Nets but they still have a lot of good wins and they've also had games where they haven't had their guys you know and they've won um so I've been really just, it's been a good season. A little bit dampered by the Embiid injury, but, you know, we're just glad he's good. Um, I guess I wasn't even here for the Harden stuff. I was pro trading Ben for Harden, and I was kind of upset when it didn't happen, to be honest. Um, especially with how Ben was playing to start that season. Start the season. Um, and it, it still sucks that he's in Brooklyn. Like, it just sucks that that team is as good as they are. Um. I think they're beatable, but they're definitely favored. Like, I would definitely favor them over the Sixers right now. But they're definitely beatable. They're not that good. Like, they're they're really good offensively. Um, you know, it just... But it, since that since that happened, since that not... Or I guess the trade didn't happen, Ben's been unbelievable. And it's it's looked a little bit more uh, translatable to the playoffs than it has when Ben has had good stretches in the past because he's really doing some stuff in the half court now that he hasn't done. He's been more aggressive, and he's been making his free throws relatively. Um, he's still not a good free throw shooter, but he's if he's in the high 60s, you'd live with that, especially because it, it seems to make him more aggressive going to the basket, which is just a more efficient offense for the Sixers. Um, and it's something he needs to use to his advantage and always be aggressive going to the basket because he's so big and he's so athletic, and he has a handle, and he has finesse. Like He can, he can do work on the inside. Um, so looking ahead to uh, the rest of the season. They do have a pretty tough stretch. They play uh, the Knicks tomorrow and then Milwaukee on Wednesday. And then they have a pretty tough stretch. They go out west and they play the Nuggets and the Lakers and the Warriors and the Clippers. Um, a lot of good teams in the second half of the season. A lot of tough road games. They're going to go to Miami. They're going to go to Boston. 
Uh, I think they're going to go to Milwaukee again. Um, I think they have one more versus Brooklyn, maybe two more. So, also the Sixers earlier, I said they didn't beat them with Lowry. They did beat the, the Raptors with Lowry, uh, like the second or third game of the season. And that was a good one, too. But, so looking at uh, the schedule is going to be, I'm not really worried about breaking down the schedule because Embiid's going to be out. So if Embiid's out, it's kind of just playing with borrowed money at that point. If you can split or go a little bit under 500, I think you're happy. Um, as long as he's healthy for the playoffs, that's obviously the most important thing. Now, looking at potential upgrades for the Sixers, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and it's pretty, it's a testament that they're even able to be in these conversations. And it's a testament to how good Daryl's been. Uh, he hasn't really made any moves since draft night, but the moves that he did make on draft night uh, really set the Sixers up to be a, not only a better team, but have actual flexibility in trades. And that's the Dandy contract and getting Maxi and not trading, not trading the 2020 the 2020 Thunder pick uh, that night and keeping that and trading a distant pick in the future. It gives you a little more uh, win now flexibility in trades. So now they have Danny Green, they have Tyrese Maxi. They got Mike Scott expiring. They got the Poirier. I don't think that's how you say his name. That's how that's how I he never plays, so I don't know how to say it. Um and Terrence Ferguson. And I guess you could say Quarkmaz. And they still have, you know, they kept Matisse and they kept uh Maxi in these in these trades, and they kept Shake in these trades. Um for in the, the Horford trade and the Richardson trade. Like they kept all these guys. And now they have the ability to like they can get up to about $29 million in expiring money, which is helpful in trades. And I like the market's going to be weird, right? Because you think Danny Green's good, and Danny Green's been helping the team, and he's especially lately because he's just so willing to shoot threes, and he's been making them. Uh, he's shooting 38% on six threes a game. Like, that's great. But he's 33, and he's kind of lost a step on defense, and he's expiring at $15 million, which is a, a good number for trades, just such a perfect number for trades. That you don't want to just trade him just to trade him, but if you can get a similar player around the same salary that has maybe is younger, that you don't want to extend, or it has uh, he has more years on his deal, you kind of want to do that, but you also don't want to mess up what you got. So it's tough. Um... The big name is obviously Kyle Lowry. I'm super pro Kyle Lowry trade. I would trade uh, Danny and Maxi and the rest of the expirings and a first. Like I would definitely do that. I ultimately don't think Toronto is going to trade Lowry. I think it's more likely that they maybe find a sign and trade for him in summer, just because it's so hard for him to, for the trade anywhere this season with his salary. Uh, and the team is still not terrible when they're healthy. So it's like, and he's so important to the Raptors that it's just. I don't really see it happening. If it does happen, I do think the Sixers probably are the most likely candidate because they'd probably want to do well by him. And I think the Sixers, like it's been reported, there's now it hasn't been reported by the top top sources in the NBA, but there, you know, it's been reported that he wants to be on a contender, and Philadelphia is attractive to him because you know they need a point guard and they're uh, they're a really good team, and he's you know it's his home. And they have the the trade is there. So if he does get traded, I think it will be here. But ultimately, I just don't see it happening. Um, so you look at some some different names. Will Barton was thrown out there in Denver. Uh, sure, he makes like twelve or thirteen million. 
could pretty easily you can get there without trading Danny. Um, cool. Would be alright with that. It wouldn't really excite me. Uh, he would help the bench a little bit. Could probably play the starters too if he has to. George Hill, I think they should definitely go after uh, if they want to go for a little in, well, uh, an inexpensive option. He'd be great off the bench. Uh, could play with Ben. Could play uh, in place of Ben. Could let Shake do a little, not have as much playmaking load uh, because Shake's looked. Shake's been good this year. It's just been kind of weird, uh, and it's because he kind of hasn't played point guard and shooting guard for the bench. So if he can just be kind of like a like an off guard who still, you know, makes plays every once in a while, but really focuses on shooting and scoring, I think that would help. Uh, DeLon Wright's been thrown out there. Don't like that name at all. I like DeLon Wright as a player. Uh, I would have traded, like, like he was someone I used to look for in a Horford trade, like, as part of a bigger trade, I guess. Um, to, like, someone that they could get back. Uh, but, nah. I don't think he's a fit. He just he doesn't shoot quickly enough, uh, and he's not a good enough passer to really like elevate either Ben or Joel. But he's he'd be fine if we didn't have Shake. I'd be kind of cool with Lon, right? But like, there's no reason to with Shake there, you know. Um, PJ Tucker looks kind of washed, but it's also he's playing on the worst team in the league. Uh, probably they've lost like 16 straight, and I mean he's not gonna play for them anymore. I'd be cool with it. He fits into the trade exception. Um, I think he'd give us more flexibility lineup-wise, especially versus Brooklyn. I would do it. Uh, and he seems like a good locker room guy, too. Uh, and they wouldn't need to trade any players for him if they didn't want to. Um, other guys, Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier are allegedly, not allegedly, reportedly uh, available. I would trade for Ross before Fournier just because he has two more years at about $13 million a year, which is just perfect. And they could get him without trading Danny Green. Um, they could get Fournier technically too, but it would be really hard roster-wise. They'd have to sign some guys, and uh, Magic would probably have to cut some guys. Like, it'd be a kind of more convoluted. With Ross, they can just trade Scott, uh, Poirier, and Ferguson, and that matches the salary. And he's really willing to shoot, and he can, you know, he's athletic and tall-ish. Like he's like six six. He's, he's he'd be a good wing off the bench. He could probably play with the starters. He can give you some. Some shot creation off the bench. Uh, he can shoot a little bit on the move, which is cool. I was I wanted to get him for Fultz. They got the the future Thunder pick, which we got so freaking lucky that it that it conveyed. Uh, and Fournier is an interesting fit because he's way more of a like he's he's a good shooter and he can also handle the ball and pass a little bit. It's just I don't know how viable he'd be in the playoffs. Uh, you know he'd be targeted. He's just not a good defender. He's expiring as well. Uh, I'd be cool with extending him. He's not that old. He's like in his late twenties, uh, and he's played with Tobias. Like he has good chemistry with Tobias. I remember that. But he wouldn't. I don't know. It's tough. And then if you lose him, and I think you could also get him without Danny Green, but it'd be really hard. Uh, and I wouldn't really want to trade Danny Green for him. You know, like I don't know if he makes us that much better, but he is an interesting option. Uh, other than that, you know, Bayalitsa, um still out there they can put together a Harrison Barnes trade if they really wanted to I don't think it'd really be worth it um a little too big for what the Sixers need they need like a kind of a more flexible wing excuse me uh, a more flexible wing that's kind of like Danny maybe can play a little bit bigger than Danny but Harrison Barnes can't play small as much like Harrison Barnes is kind of like a Tobias to be honest uh good player though I'm, I'd like to have him in general just the fit isn't great um 
not really a playmaker either, but he's a smart player. Like he knows what to do, and he's he's a good chemistry guy too. Uh, he's played in the playoffs, even though his last time in the playoffs was a pretty bad ending. <laughs> uh, but he was he was good the year before in the playoffs, and he was good his first few years in the playoffs. It just I don't know what happened in 2016. It just kind of fell apart. But he has been on a title winning team, and he played a role when he started. So uh, those guys are all out there. I don't really know anyone else who's available available um, for the Sixers. I mean, Otto Porter, if he gets bought out, honestly, he looks pretty bad. Even before that game against us, he like he just hasn't looked that good. But for a buyout, fine. He'd be a good backup for. Uh, because they are kind of relying on Ben and Tobias a lot. Uh, before Mike started to look alive again, they were really struggling to find minutes at backward for, back, back up forward. Um, but the team in general, like, I think they should kind of be all in this year, but it's also, like, if they don't win this year, it's not like they're, I don't think, unless they just, like, lose in the first round or badly in the second round, which I don't really think will happen. Um, like, it's not like a ticking, the clock isn't really ticking. Like, Ben's got four years and Embiid has two more years, uh, after this. And yeah, in the NBA, things happen quickly. Uh, but I think, barring something major, I think they, they could, they'd be in position to be a really good team again next year. It's not like they're losing a major piece um, in any of those guys. Tobias is still here, and they still have the picks and stuff. Um, but I think Daryl should make some moves. That's uh, Like, he should, you know? And Bede's, and Bede, I haven't even talked about Embiid the way he's played. Embiid, he's never played better than this, He obviously. Um, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Like, absurdly good on both ends. And he's and he's fit, and he's playing late in the games, and he's playing well late in the games. And, you know, he's hitting shots, and he's making smarter decisions, and he's engaged, and he's, like, back kind of to, like, the, like the fuck-off Joel, which I love. And he's, like, easily the most fun athlete to watch in Philly in the last, like, 20 years to be honest like he's absurd probably since Iverson honestly like he's I can't say enough good things about him and for that I know he really wants to win like you know a lot of the uh, every NBA player wants to win especially the elite ones you don't get to that level without being really competitive but like Embiid cares man like that's the best part uh and him and Ben are starting to click again and like and Embiid and, and the team are starting to click and I think he likes playing for Doc and I've been pretty pleased with Doc They've got a good thing going on, and they can be really, really great. And maybe they're good enough right now to win the East. Uh, but I think they, they're going to need to make a little bit, uh, a couple moves. But overall, uh, probably ending up uh, wrapping up right now. I've been really pleased with how they've played. Uh, I've enjoyed watching the Sixers all year. I'm glad they have fans again. Last night was pretty cool. Uh, the New Jersey suck. Uh, I like the black ones. I don't like the cream ones because I don't get why they... Uh, made the numbers so big, but that's not important. I've had fun watching them, um, and I'm I'm excited to see the growth of the guys, and I, I'm excited to see Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed get a few minutes now because uh, the G League season's over. Shout out to B-Ball Paul. Uh, Isaiah Joe's look good. I was, I feel like I was, I'm going to be very right about Isaiah Joe uh, if you listen to any of my podcasts before the season, before the draft even. Uh, I was crazy high on Isaiah Joe. So... Uh, that's all I got today. Uh, 
And you got the Knicks on Tuesday, Bucks on Wednesday. That'll be interesting couple of matchups. Nice to be at home again. I feel like they haven't played that many home games this year for some reason. Um, but yeah, man, very pleased with how they've played. Uh, excited to see what happens. Thank you all for listening. I'll try to get more episodes. I know it's like nobody's clamoring for it, but I enjoy doing them. It's just I haven't had the time, really. Uh, I do have a spring break finally coming up. My school moved it back uh, due to COVID. Moved it back a month, which I'm still a little uh, shaky on the the import, the rel- like why they would do that. But whatever. Uh, almost there. So I'll probably have a, a little bit more. Follow SQ Sports. We're going to try to do a podcast this week. Um, go Sixers, man. In the words of Josh Harris, even though I'm not a big fan of that guy. All right. Peace.